Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now, here's your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level, the podcast formerly known as Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Hey, today's episode is one of those special episodes, and it's actually been a while. I, I sort of lost uh, lost track of time over the summer with everything going on with COVID, uh, with my new job with the executive search firm, and trying to keep my speaking business alive in the midst of no meetings existing. Uh, I got a little distracted, and I didn't do... Uh, a couple of months worth of the special episodes for the Austin Technology Council. So we are now back on track. This episode is co-produced with the Austin Technology Council, the largest tech industry organization in Central Texas. ATC, they empower their members through insights, resources, and connections so that their members can succeed and thrive. And today, we have someone from the ATC. We have the founder and CEO of NoRx. That's K-N-O-W-R-X. It's a, put together from a combination of the words knowledge and prescriptions, which uh, means we're going to talk a little bit about the medical world, which is uh, out of my bailiwick, but uh, we're going to learn from David Franklin, and he is that that co-founder and CEO. He's a technologist with over 20 years in the technology world. Here in Austin, he has worked for two companies that have gone through IPOs, so he knows how tech companies grow and thrive and go into the public markets. Also, cheers to David. He is a veteran from the Gulf War. He's a, uh, a former Navy Person. So thank you for your service. Hey, David, welcome to Making Waves at Sea Level. Hey, thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here today. Appreciate it. Hey, I'm, I'm really glad to have you here. So tell us a little bit about NoRx. What, what, what does the company do and, and how did it come about? Uh, so let me start with how it came about. Uh, NoRx really stems from a personal uh, passion and kind of uh, remembrance to my father. I had spent six weeks leading up to his passing in 2018, um, traveling back and forth from Austin to Columbia, Missouri. And eventually a large portion of his passing was due to a medication induced side effect. And, and that's very hard to take. Uh, my father was 72 and I often say is a child, I'm the youngest of seven, as a child I wanted to blame somebody, but as a technologist I wanted to fix something. And the staff was uh, great in speaking with me and telling me about the ins and out of uh, ICU care. Um, so I took a couple couple months off and, and, and sort of uh, thought through the scenarios. And I remember quite vividly walking out of the ICU uh, prior to my dad passing and seeing over six weeks, seeing multiple families go through this same scenario that I would eventually go through. Somebody has to help change the protocol. Uh, and as a technologist, that's where I knew I could step in and do something. So NORx is prescription management or the knowledge about prescription management. And what we want to do is be able to help patients, empower patients through education so that they're more involved, more engaged, and, and more um, active within their own care, but with their physicians. Um, and we do that in many ways with inside the application. So you're a technologist uh, and a background in the armed services. You're not a doctor. So tell us about how you partnered up with your co-founder who does have that medical expertise. 
Craig, my uh, co-founder, Dr. James Powell out of Cincinnati, um, 24 years of the bio uh, pharmaceutical company um, and also retired from P&G. He um, received his MD from uh, Cornell. We met uh, about 10 years ago through a, a mutual relationship, another physician out of Houston. He had this idea for an application. I was introduced to him uh, for diversity in clinical trials. And we, we started the relationship then and we've stuck together ever since then. So I call the company Making Waves at Sea Level. What kind of waves are you guys making in the, the, the pharmaceutical world? Well, um, hopefully very dis- disruptive waves because uh, with the current pandemic taking place uh, around COVID and understanding the disparities of uh, care within uh, certain communities, we have to address this and we have to address it now. Uh, statistically, three, four, three to four times more clinical trials are registered within the U.S., but upwards of 60% of those participants are outside of the U.S., and the majority of those participants are um, people that look uh, like us, uh, Anglo-Americans, white males, older white males. And COVID is specifically um, it a, a larger population affecting the minority community. And it all goes back to uh, drug manufacturing process and clinical trials and having that balance uh, group of patient population. So Dr. Powell was just recently interviewed on CNN on this topic around um, the creating more diversity in the clinical trial space and why this is impacting these communities more. Um, and it's just not one problem. It's a systemic problem within healthcare and the treatment of care and the accessibility to care. So we're helping elevate this voice around this topic and helping empower the patient to have better health outcomes. So what are some of the reasons I hadn't actually thought about this, that not having people of, of diverse backgrounds involved in the testing doesn't lead to the same sort of results? Why, why is that? Well, our, our DNA is different. Um, we're different people. We have different habits, different cultures, and we're just genetically made differently. So um, disproportionately, it's been a one drug fits all type of society um, where drugs are tested and provided to people that it won't necessarily address what what they have or who they are. So this is why within NARX, uh, the first application, we, we call it personalized medication management because we want to personalize that experience, not only through, DNA, through our partners that provide DNA testing to help the physicians understand exactly who you are. And for example, um, I work very good with Tylenol, not Excedrin. Why is that? Whereas... Uh, somebody else may love Excedrin and not Tylenol. These are simple over-the-counter medications, but uh, when you look at Vicodin or you look at the top 10 medications that are distributed, and to note, there's 4.3 billion prescriptions that were um, prescribed in 2019. 4.3 billion uh, prescribed medications. Is that, only is, wait, is that worldwide or is that in the U.S.? That's just the U.S. 4.3 uh, billion? That's, in the United States. That's like... 10 times the pop, more than 10 times the population. Exactly. And 50, and so with each physician visit, 80% of those visits results, 80% of those visits results in a prescription. 50% of those prescriptions are not followed through as prescribed. And there's many reasons for that. And 24% of those prescriptions aren't even picked up, uh, mainly due to cost of prescriptions. But 
there's challenges. We're all busy. We're, we, we live in a stressful environment uh, in daily lives, and it's hard to adhere to a medication schedule. And we don't know the side effects attributed uh, to that medication at times or the long-term effects of that medication. Uh, so this is what we're trying to educate the, the consumer on is patients. So in your role as CEO, how are you making waves in the company? I realize that at this point you only have seven, seven people on board, but uh, I assume the trajectory of the company is to get much bigger. What, what are you doing as a leader? Well, as a leader, it, it's um, showcasing the, the work ethic by example. Uh, jumping in wherever you need to jump in and being within the startup community for onwards of, you know, 15 plus plus years, maybe even 20 years is knowing that if people need help in other areas, regardless of your role title or sort of the virtual cubicle you sit in, uh, you have the opportunity in smaller companies to go and learn something else and to, and to help out. Um, so always pushing people forward, leaning in, uh, helping them understand where can we find success today and where can we find progress today, which may not be on their task. It may be helping somebody else out. Yeah, definitely. When you're in a, when you're in a growth oriented company, a small company, you, you wear lots of hats. That is, that is for sure. There, there's no room for that's not my job, right? Exactly. Yeah. We want to be creative. We want to be innovative, resourceful, uh, and having that military background, uh, having grit, uh, having resilience, uh, and being able to just maneuver and adapt is very resourceful and getting others to to appreciate and value those same characteristics is is very important. So as we've been through this whole COVID thing, how, how do you lead your team when you're probably not all in the same place right now? Everybody's probably working from home, maybe not still, but certainly for a long time. How, how did you lead your team through that? Well, it's, it's definitely a challenge and we're small. So you understand how the impact is for larger corporations. Um, having team meetings, uh, we meet throughout the week uh, individually, but we have team meetups. Uh, we try to do our part to stay connected via Slack, via text messages. Uh, and what's most important, not just within the application, but within the company, it's, it's about people being first. And within a company, they're your most valuable assets and you have to ensure that they're doing well. And it's not just doing well financially, but doing well mentally uh, and doing well socially. Uh, so going out of the way to uh, uh, do things for them is very important. So, David, I, I mentioned your, your armed services uh, career. How long were you in the Navy? I was in the Navy for eight years. I was in communications. And as you mentioned, I was a uh, Gulf War. I spent a time in uh, Bahrain on the USS LaSalle, uh, which was the command flagship for the Middle East Task Force. So interestingly, there's a, there's a couple of fields that I find on this show interviewing entrepreneurs and larger business leaders. Uh, there's a couple of themes that I see. One is uh, people who were at high levels of athletics, whether it was professional or college or or otherwise uh, achievers in athletics. Another one I see is people who uh, who come out of the military. And then uh, the third one is people who uh, have a background uh, sort of with uh, blanking out on my, my thought here. Uh, the third one is people who have a background uh, kind of in entertainment uh, tend to do really well coming into that role as sort of a performer and things like that. Why do you think so many people from the military side actually come through and become leaders in business? Well, we're, we're conditioned very well uh, going into the military um, and they don't actually 
uh, deprogram us as much when we come out. So we, we still have that military engine running. Uh, and I can tell you, I make my bed like I was in the military. <laughs> I dress like I'm in the military. Uh, all these things are still in play. And, so and you were, by, for the record, you were extremely prompt for this interview. <laughs> Thank you. Right on time. Uh, so discipline is very important to us. Uh, resourcefulness, um, having having the willingness to go at all lengths to get the job done. And we love transition. Uh, we're so used to going from duty station to duty station, sort of parachuting in, uh, more of a, um, a non-military term, but parachuting into the environment and just um, getting along with people, jumping right in there and keeping things moving forward. Um, and we have to have that, especially in a startup in a, a, a growing uh, company. So, you know, this is your first time leading a startup. You've, you've been in uh, uh, roles in several others, but as you're now sort of leading the team, what do you, what do you like about being in control? What do you like about being CEO? Uh, well, there's probably an, an equal or larger list of things I don't like. <laughs> that was going to be the next question. So you can merge those together. <laughs> well, <clears throat> You always have the opportunity to be creative and innovative. Um, one of the things I say is we sell, sell a product, but we support people. And internally, it's the same thing. Uh, you have the opportunity to support people, to see them grow, to invest in them, uh, invest in their careers. Um, and for some people, maybe their position with you is just a launching pad onto somewhere else, and you want to make it a good one uh, for them, a good experience for them. Uh, case in point, we had our first intern this summer. Uh, she's just a senior at Westlake High School. Um, we could have went with a college student, but this young lady uh, was very attracted to, to STEM uh, type of technologies and mathematics, engineering. Uh, so we brought her on. Uh, and it was just a way for us to, one, learn about ourselves and to give back to somebody so young uh, to help in their trajectory moving forward. Must have been an interesting year for a high school student to be an intern with uh, COVID going on and, and not a lot of actual physical interaction in the office. Very few. Uh, we probably met two or three times uh, throughout the entire summer. Uh, that's that's it. But uh, it was amazing opportunity to give back uh, to the community and, and plant those seeds for growth later on. So, so you like being able to help people, serve people, et cetera. What are some of those things that you think, God, if I had just stayed at, you know, those one of those other two companies I was with, somebody else could deal with all the BS. What, what's some of that? Yeah, there's, yeah, there's definitely a lot of uh, that out there. But I, I think you know, from from a military minded person, we like that entrepreneurial spirit, uh, being able to get out there and to do stuff and sort of have control of commanding control of where things are going and what they're doing. And in, and in this case, to say compared to my corporate positions, um, you're really limited on the role and the functionality, especially on the larger corporations that I was in, um, that, you're, that you're only seen as that one sort of cog in the wheel. Uh, but here, you know, we do stuff like uh, keep Austin beautiful and clean, clean streets together. Uh, we have community events we do different things like this to sort of break up those challenges throughout the day and help build culture. So you bring up uh, keep Austin beautiful. So that leads me to our, our city here of Austin, Texas, right? Today's episode is, is co-produced with the Austin technology council. Uh, what's great for business about the city of Austin. Why, why are you here? And, and why do you think it's a great community 
yeah, for corporations to grow and thrive? Well, probably why I'm here is strange because I'm originally from St. Louis and I wanted a, a, a central time zone and being in the Navy, I was used to uh, being out to sea, being near the ocean. Um, so Austin was the best fit inside of Texas. I'm still close to the ocean and I'm in the central time zone. So well, let's not, let's not fool people. You're three and a half hours from the ocean, but. Yeah, that's a short drive, uh, <laughs> which when I made a couple weeks ago. Uh, by the way, and just so happens, I, I within three minutes of walking into the ocean, I got stung by a stingray. Of oh, all awesome. I make those day trips all the time just to get away. It's that salt life. But Austin's, Austin's really grown. I've been here since 97, uh, and I've been a part of the tech council supporting them for many years, even outside of this endeavor with NARX. Um, the insight that they provided the community that I'm a part of um, being able to network and listen to other people and to learn from them and have mentors within that community has, has been amazing for me uh, in my growth leading up to uh, running my own company. So you bring up a, a topic that is near and dear to my heart, and that's mentorship. And anybody who listens to this podcast knows that I've mentored several people, two of which have simply never gone away. I actually refer to them as my fake sons. Uh, I met them when they were both newly out of college. They're both about 31 years old now and uh, about eight years. And uh, like they come for Christmas dinner if they don't have family things going on. Uh, but I've uh, I've had great mentors. I've mentored other people. Question why you said mentors. Why Why do mentors matter? Well, I think mentors matter. Um, one, it helps you to stay humble from a learning process that uh, you're reaching out. Uh, you can have sort of those transparent, intimate conversations with somebody uh, that oftentimes goes beyond, say, business. And it's more of a, a personal relationship at times as well as, as it grows. But um, it's helpful to, to learn from other people who may be further ahead than you that it's gone through those fires. Not necessarily that you won't go through them, but you can be more prepared when you go through them. Um, there's just certain things as an entrepreneur you go through. Um, I remember one saying, somebody saying, an overnight success takes seven years. And there's just a process you have to go through, regardless of who you are at times. Um, I, I, actually, heard it have, I actually heard it takes 15 years, but yes, it, <laughs> an overnight success rarely was overnight. Exactly. And you need that... Really, in a lot of ways, you need that mental sounding board uh, because a lot of times um, you're on an island as an executive. Uh, you, you may not always have the opportunity to speak openly uh, to certain people, and it's good to have that outlet uh, for your mental stability as well. I think that's what uh, Nick and Jake, the two guys who I, I've, you know, I am their mentor, but I'm I'm their friend, kind of their fake dad. I think they would both tell you exactly what you said. It's a sounding board because they will call me with yeah. all it started off kind of career oriented things when they were going into their first jobs after college. Uh, but then as they became friends and as, as, as we got to know each other better, they started calling me about, you know, family issues that they were dealing with or things with, you know, their friends or people they were dating. And they will tell you that having that sounding board is super important. And looking back at my own life, uh, when I have had people who were that sounding board, I've achieved better than when I tried to take a machete and go through the jungle by myself. So I think you're, you're right. You're right on target. Yeah. And another thing too, is that the, the mentor really isn't going to tell you what to do, but 
they're they're going to tell you or they're going to help you think through the process so you can come to that conclusion yourself. Uh, they're not necessarily there to give you the answers. They're there to help you think through it. Yeah, and that's kind of the difference between uh, my relationship with those two guys and the relationship with my two daughters. Uh, I, I actually do try to tell them what to do, even though as they get older, they're both adults. I, I try to let it go as, as their dad, it's a little harder when I give them advice, they're like, uh, and roll their eyes. When I give, uh, the fake children advice, they're like, Oh, thank you. That's really appreciated. So I think having that mentorship, uh, you know, sort of maybe the, who's not your boss and not your mom or dad is a big, uh, a big bonus. Yeah. Sometimes we're too close, too, uh, too close to the situation. So it doesn't come across the same way. Right. Absolutely. So you worked for two companies that, that grew up and, and went through IPOs and now you're starting to grow a company of your own. What advice do you have for people who want to lead an organization through growth? Uh, diversify your workforce experience as much as possible before you do that. Learn much about business while you're in business before you step out to start your business. So for me, um, transitioning out of the military very quickly, I was a, an application engineer. Then I went into customer support, became a um, field engineering manager, went into tech ops, went into sales ops, went into marketing. Um, and by then, I felt like I had a good enough business experience around various um, aspects of the industry, not just different industries, but different roles um, that I felt comfortable stepping out. Um, in hindsight, um, yeah, well, maybe not because one of the areas that, um, that I mentioned about say finance and HR, I'm more of a technologist and a solutions person and creative. Uh, for me, I would bring in a CFO for that. And not everybody's going to be able to move through different businesses like I did and go into finance as well, right? That's a different uh, genre altogether, but get as much diversify. Uh, just don't be siloed in and just, you know, going from sales and moving out, but try to learn different aspects of business. It's, you know, it's, it's better than it's the real life MBA. Um, <laughs> and somebody else's you're getting paid to do it, um, in a corporate position. Right, right. Hey, David, I've got a couple more questions for you, but first I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode, it's brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly, they take the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing people who are making waves like David Franklin. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know, I know that some of you do. Jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, David, I used to call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest thing you're doing in your company right now? Well, I, I think the coolest thing we're doing is trying to improve the quality of life for patients um, and giving them the opportunity to, to have more moments with their family members. Uh, I know I, I, I could have, I, I truly believe I could have extended some time with my father um, by having this education available. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by doing this for everybody else, um, it, it, you know, I, I can't get my father back, but if I can help other people have better outcomes for a longer period of time, 
Um, that's, that's what I want to do. Uh, but, uh, on the technology side, right. That's, you know, that was a little, uh, heartfelt emotion there, but on the technology side, we're doing something super cool with machine learning, uh, and digitizing pharmacy labels, uh, connected device input. So if you have a Fitbit and Apple watch, if you have a, a Bluetooth connected blood pressure cuff, pulse oximeter, all this information is coming into our system. And uh, we're designing uh, what's called a Tamagotchi type of animated figure. It's an owl. That's our mascot. And you will interact with this owl and it will provide recommendations for you. So if you take a simosatin for blood pressure or cholesterol, then it will, that owl will remind you not to eat grapefruit or when to take your medicine. Or if you have a question, you can interact and, and engage with this animated AI figure that's providing nutritional wellness, meditation, holistic feedback based off. So it scales based off the, the drug that you're taking at that time. Nice. And, and I, I always laugh because apparently grapefruit interacts poorly with a lot of things. When you said that, I thought <laughs> I've, I've heard that with other drugs. Apparently, like if you're taking anything, just avoid the grapefruit. Avoid the grapefruit. Avoid the grapefruit. Although I love me a good grapefruit. So good thing I don't take anything but uh, a little thyroid pill right now. So, hey, uh, last question for you. When you look out into the world of business leaders, who do you admire? Who do you say, wow, she or he, they're the ones making waves? Definitely uh, Elon Musk is making waves. Um, Mark Benioff, because um, I've, I've been very closely, you know, I've I've been in the Salesforce ecosystem 13 years. It was one of the first 500 certified on that platform. And just look at, you know, what he's doing uh, from inclusion, from diversity, being an ally, uh, leaning in equal pay, um, just moving beyond technology and cloud computing to the personal level. Um, he's definitely somebody high on the radar to, to, to admire and see what, see what they're, what they're doing. Awesome. Hey, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, I need to know more about this company or they're like, I need to know more about David Franklin. How do they find you? Yeah. So, um, the company website is K N O W R X dot Moby. No R X dot Moby. Uh, I can be found on LinkedIn pretty easily. David S Franklin, um, Twitter, everything's DS Franklin. Uh, my email address is David at no R X dot Moby. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a guest here. Any final words? I appreciate the opportunity, Tom, and I uh, love what the great city of Austin's doing. And, you know, we just want to plant that flag here saying that this, this company started here and we grew here and we impacted the community uh, at large, uh, not just from an employer standpoint, but from a, a company or community impact point of view. Awesome. Well, I'm going to enjoy uh, watching your company grow. This is exciting to have you here on the show. Thank you to you. And thank you to my partner for this episode, the Austin Technology Council. Uh, go and check out the ATC because uh, they are the leader uh, when it comes to being an organization for tech companies here in Central Texas. So check them out. Uh, I really appreciate it. We do one show a month that is co-sponsored with them. Uh, otherwise, twice a week here, we have really interesting interviews with people just as cool as David from all over the country and all over the world on making waves at sea level. Uh, if you work for a company and your CEO, your CTO, your CFO, your CMO, your CHRO, whoever it is, if uh, there's somebody that we should be talking to, please reach out to me. You can reach me at Tom, T-H-O-M, at TomSinger.com. You can also find me on all the social medias as Tom Singer, uh, at Tom Singer. 
uh, etc. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple days, like I said, with an interview with somebody just as cool as David. I know you're thinking, Tom, how is that possible? But but we'll do it. In the meantime, uh, go out there and make some waves. And while you're doing it, have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.